Hello from wherever you are, and welcome to the second episode of Mosaic, where we bring student writing to life through audio storytelling. If you have an original poem, short story, essay, or article you want to bring to life or are interested in voice acting for another piece, email us at americanpublicradio at gmail.com. This episode's piece was written and will be voiced by senior Caitlin Carpenter. She originally wrote this piece as a senior hot take for the February 2022 edition of The Globe, MHS's student newspaper. Her piece serves as both a personal testimony and an analysis of a very common term among MHS students. Tune in for this discussion of academic culture, gender stereotypes, and the competitiveness of college culture. My name is Caitlin Carpenter, and this is my piece, We Shouldn't Reduce Our Classmates to Tryhards. Why identifying other students based on their level of academic achievement is harmful, and how future MHS classes can change for the better. According to Urban Dictionary users Falaf, a tryhard is, quote, someone whose effort level and emotional investment are excessively high for their situation. In other words, as put by user PRL215, they are someone who f***ing freaks out when they get below 195 on a test, end quote. In the MHS class of 2022, there has always been an interesting culture surrounding tryhards. From grade-sharing circles spawning in middle school email chains, to the echo chamber of who applied to slash got into slash got rejected from quote-unquote elite universities. We evaluate the social merits of our peers based on numerical reflections of their intelligence, or the frequency with which they comment in class. When someone is labeled a tryhard, it acts as an indicator of social incompatibility and implies that they are annoying. Yet, At the same time, many students continue to try hard to pursue success in our grades, class difficulty, and college aspirations. As someone who has been directly named a tryhard multiple times, mostly concentrated in freshman and sophomore year, I think it's time that we reconsider what this culture does to those students labeled with the term, those that use it, and those who simply spectate the whole ordeal. From a young age, the goody-two-shoes behavior, which we now label as annoying, was rewarded. For some, those rewards became more than just an incentive to not bully another six-year-old on a playground. They became a marker of identity. I distinctly remember a green-yellow-red card behavior system in my second-grade class, as well as how upset I was when my consistently green card was turned into yellow by a substitute teacher. A perfect green streak was a necessity because it gave me a feeling of value, a feeling that still needs to be maintained to this day. Another senior, L. Crochet, stated that, quote, a lot of perfectionists tend to do more work than they need to because they seek validation from others, but also from themselves, in the sense that they want to reassure themselves that they're doing the best they can, end quote. She, too, considers herself to fall into the categories of tryhard and perfectionist. In her eyes, those who want so hard to meet impossible standards, quote, end up doing more subconsciously out of the fear that someone else could be out hustling them, end quote. Everyone has internal pressures that they put on themselves, 
Calling someone a tryhard externalizes these pressures and turns them into a social currency. What are you to do when you feel that meeting your own internal standards, a main part of your identity in the eyes of your peers, simultaneously isolates you from them? You change the way you present yourself, but don't change the motivations under the surface. In speaking with eight high-achieving seniors about this issue, I found that almost all of them indicated in some way that in the past four years, they've changed how they speak in order to be less assertive or obvious about their academic investment around others. One anonymous senior reflected how over time they've, quote, tried to be less assertive in a negative way and more go with the flow when interacting with peers. They spoke about how they, quote, also use a lot of qualifiers, like, I'm probably wrong, but I have no idea what I'm doing, but when they're speaking so as to not appear overly confident, end quote. Another commented how, quote, subconsciously, I definitely have tried not to let on how much I care about school to others, end quote. They've tried to appear as though the title of tryhard doesn't fit them because that title can only be seen as a bad social omen. Senior Jackson Owens stated that he'd, quote, be lying if I said that after being called a tryhard, I didn't tone my class persona down a bit in response. He reflects how over time, quote, the actions of correcting people, caring way too much about details in class, and falling into the trap of providing random people with homework answers slowly fell away from me. I have put myself out there less, I guess, and I think I've become more conformist because of it, end quote. This conformity, however, has not changed his attitudes towards academics, only his class persona. He believes that, quote, if you're already dedicated enough to be annoying enough to warrant being labeled a tryhard, you're not going to be dissuaded from pursuing further academic achievement by simple name-calling, end quote. Again, we change ourselves, but don't change the motivations under the surface. From when we first entered MHS to now, the extent to which we name-call and judge those who care about academics has most certainly decreased. Especially starting in junior year with the introduction of AP classes, academic stress has become more of a collective endeavor, a bonding opportunity, if you will. But the connotation that we have with certain high-achieving students, tryhards, knowing that they've cared this much and supposedly achieved at this level for so long has not diminished. I don't feel relieved from the pressures of being expected to score high and understand what's going on at all times, just because everyone else feels those pressures. I just act as if those expectations have been alleviated in order to become more palatable to others. And yet, I don't feel alleviated from the feeling of social isolation that comes from being identified as a tryhard in years prior. To this day, I attribute any negative interaction with my peers to their awareness of my predetermined social identity as someone who doesn't have the capacity for anything beyond academic achievement. At this point, it's difficult to deduce which parts of my academic action come from my own ambitions and which parts of that come from feeling as though I need to be that way in order to fulfill the expectation of others. There is also, of course, the aspect of gender. Anna McDonald, another senior, recognizes how at MHS, quote, While driven male students are perceived to be admirable, well-rounded individuals with a variety of interests, she often finds that female students with the same level of academic intensity 
are reduced down to their strengths as a student, end quote. Another anonymous senior commented how, quote, there's a lot more room for boys to be arrogant about being smart. There's this pressure for girls to keep it under wraps or hidden, end quote. So where does this all leave us? For our senior class, the class of 2022, as we reach the end of our time at MHS, it is worthwhile to reflect on how what we've been labeled here has impacted how we think we are perceived and how we subsequently perceive ourselves. We are all multifaceted individuals with the potential for so much more than what those around us may reduce us to, even if our peers have told us otherwise. For all other current and future MHS classes, especially underclassmen, don't reduce one another to what each of you appears to be. Academic achievement is only one part of someone until you make it their everything, until you make them a tryhard. The motivations for that achievement can have many different roots beyond just wanting attention or being annoyingly smart. Ultimately, you are all students, but you are also people, people who don't deserve to be limited to just a singular term. Hi, Caitlin. Hey, Taylor. We're so happy to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so you wrote your article on tryhard culture at MHS. When did you first hear the term tryhard? So I was in ninth grade global class, um, and I was just doing my work, kind of minding my own business. Um, I didn't really talk to a lot of people in ninth grade. I was very, like, in my own zone. Well, I did talk to some people, um, but, like, people who were not my friends I did not talk to. Um, the real so, ninth grade experience oh, right there. Oh, yes. That's exactly what ninth grade is like. Um, and some ninth grade boy just casually was like, oh, Caitlin, you're such a tryhard. Like, he kind of looked at, like, my extreme annotations. And I was in a very relaxed class. Um, my teacher was very much not on top of us. And so mm, for me to yeah. be, like, putting in a lot of work because, you know, I still wanted to ensure the grades were okay um, was a little bit absurd to him. And that happened. And it didn't really bug me in the moment, but it was the whole thing where I was like, I'm not bugged by that, right? But then I thought about how much I wasn't bugged by it, which therefore proved I was really bugged Gets by it. Gets to the it. point where you're like, oh, now I'm overthinking that perhaps. Yeah, it got to a point where like if you're overthinking it too much, right, it shows that you care about it a lot. Um, and then I realized I cared about it a lot. And then over the course of the next couple of years, that term continued to come up in various ways. Um, and I continued to be bothered by it. But yeah, as I say in the article too, then it, it died down a lot in junior and senior year. Yeah. So what did you learn when you were speaking with other high-achieving seniors while writing this article? I've got to say, this was the most interesting article I've ever written for The Globe um, because it provided an opportunity to have these conversations with other high-achieving seniors, especially other high-achieving female seniors, too, was particularly interesting. Um, and a lot of them chose to remain anonymous, which shows that these conversations aren't typically had. Yeah. Um, and so I think just the shared experience that people have had, it was a lot of the same points being brought up over and over again with personal anecdotes from certain people. Um, and so it was a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced feeling socially ostracized because of how I act in a classroom or then in later years, if we're talking about females in particular, yeah. um, I've experienced being talked over. Um, I've experienced the idea that 
I am going to be super high achieving in my own right, but then I'm not going to talk that much in class because I don't want to show that part of myself in class. I'm not a personality. I'm a great go-getter. Um, those kinds of things. And then I was also very surprised um, and interested by the amount of enthusiasm I had. I reached out to a lot a lot of different people, and some of them were, like, immediately like, oh, my God, yeah, totally I'll do that. That's so interesting. Um, and some girls being like, yeah, I'll totally do that. Like, when do you either, like, want to talk or I can just send you the things? And some people spent, like, paragraphs and paragraphs via text. Like, you know, like the text messages that are so long that they give a little arrow to them? Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. And so it's oh like a little gosh. bubble. Um, and so, but that was all like really interesting. And I wish that we used mediums like the Globe and like journalism at the high school or NPR um, for more of those conversations, because that was my last article I ever wrote for the Globe. Um, and I was like, wow, I should have done this earlier and used the Globe as a medium to like bring up these social normalcies that maybe shouldn't be normalcies. Yeah. So now that you're about to graduate high school, how do you feel about the academic culture here at MHS and the expectations you've had for yourself, especially now being able to look through the lens of other students who were labeled as tryhards? Yeah, we're in a district where there is a lot of achievement and there are a lot of really impressive people. And for some, that can make you feel like I must get there. I must be that. I must be doing that all the time. And definitely you can get into circles where there's like a workaholic culture. And I think in general, in the student body and like in kids in general, right, none of us ever talk about getting enough sleep. And like that might not be super related to academic things, but it absolutely is at the same time, right? It's like, oh, I was working so hard on this thing. And like I've been studying for all these things and I'm getting all these hundreds. Look at me. I'm achieving and I'm doing X, Y, and Z things. Like to some extent, right, I'm a hypocrite because I was totally in that culture yeah. until like very recently like senioritis did not hit me until very very recently um as in like during the internship recently i know it's um, like hitting me like a train right now i'm like we just gotta get through this i know yeah <laughs> um, but but like in retrospect i wish that someone had intervened at a younger age and like yes celebrate people celebrate achievement right but also like celebrate taking care of yourself and taking care of others by not encouraging that behavior. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. How do you view your internal standards, as you mentioned in your article, about academic culture as you are now embarking on your journey to college? This is an interesting question. Um, I have come to the realization that I am going to feel incredibly dumb in college because I'm going to be surrounded <laughs> like many people are by a bunch of really, really intelligent people um, in a lot of different fields. And that's really exciting because you can learn from them. But I am hoping that in that happening, I also then lessen my own standards. Another thing, too, college is wonderful. College has letter grades. Um, as opposed to number by the decimal grades, which is the what we hear have here at Murder Crisis. Oh, my God. The decimals. is like, it's like, okay. <sighs> 92.3 versus 92.5 like that's a that's a big yeah. number yeah you gotta jump and then like when it comes down to like there's just we don't need to get at that anyway um <laughs> decimal point grading is incredibly stressful letter grading is less so and i'm hoping that my own internal standards are going to be shifted more towards like learning based as opposed to like achievement grade based yeah well thank you so much for coming to talk with us today caitlin thank you so much for having me this has been such a fun discussion we hope that we can have another chat like this again sometime. Yeah, we should. I don't know if it'll be on NPR because we're graduating in a couple weeks, but for sure, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. All okay. right. This episode of Mosaic was produced by Caitlin Carpenter, Taylor Ferrone, and Fatima Khan, 
Thank you so much for listening.